do I need eyes to see? To get you, Welcome to the Lunch Pill Boys. I'm one of the hosts, TJ Harkness. Also on here with me is Steve the Dildo Wainick. The Dildo. Who's still recovering from his Zambia trip. I don't think my uh, my nipples will ever be the same. No, he'll never get over that. Fucking hounds. You can't have you know, dogs hanging on your nipples expect them to look right again. I went to China one time and... Uh, they took me out back to this little wet market and made me go into a cave, and then they had me breastfeed a bunch of bats for like five hours. Wait, like the bats fed from your breast? Are you? Yeah. Okay. Are you like? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then they they kept calling me Yoko Ono the whole time. I don't know why. I think it was because of my weird screaming while bats were feeding off my breast. Oh! Ah! I mean, so I assume I mean, that's reasonable. They're Beatles fans. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, I just, you know, I'll probably never go back to China again. Like I said, the me with like a whole load of bats on my titties and I'm just swinging them around like a fucking clock, you know, yeah. trying to yeah. do the Westminster chime. <laughs> Everybody knows that dance. Yep. That's, that's, that's my favorite. I pictured that in my head. <laughs> I just have a bunch of bats on my tit. The bats are like, there's no milk. I'm like, shut up. Stay on there. And there's also a hundred of you, and I only have two nipples. <laughs> well, I mean, they're hanging from my ears, and like, I'm just like, yeah, just attach forever, guys. Yeah, you can suck on whatever you got or whatever. <laughs> so actually, I am probably patient zero of oh, yeah. uh, the... Yeah. Coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. And something called horseshoe herpes? I don't know. Never heard of it. No, that's the next big one that's coming, I think. Right? Yeah. yeah. You better get vaccinated <laughs> for horseshoe herpes. You got that from fucking them uh, horseshoes swinging them around with your dick at the uh, the barbecues. The horseshoe crabs? Oh, or, yeah. Are those fucking hor- horseshoes. Are those horseshoe crabs? Those like yeah, things? Yeah. You ain't lived till you got some horseshoe crab pussy, dude. Uh, 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 yeah, that's, that right there. That's mean. You tear into that thing. <laughs> yeah, that's some. That's some prehistoric. Some like. Mm. That's a. Uh, that's Bush later in life. He, you know uh, what they say. <sighs> older the berry, sweeter the juice. That's that's yeah. This thing's been around for a while. Did they say that? I don't know. I don't think they do it in reference to being prehistoric animals. Yeah, I don't think. No, I don't think. Not. Yeah. Steve, what did you say about uh, Bush? Well, I was, you know, you were talking about the horseshoe crabs. It's like that he developed a taste for the, the those holes after the cat holes, you know, so <clears> later <throat> in life. They're, they're easier to, to, to catch than the cats. And there was no, no one of the zoom, zoom, and then going all over the place. Oh, they got those like <laughs> fucking pincer tails or whatever on their butts. Yeah, I don't but, know. That's you know, people into sounding. I hear, I hear that's good for them. I don't know. I mm. feel like that's a good yeah. way to get Steve Irwin. By the I mean, he got stuck. He got pierced through the heart by a stingray. But like, you know, I bet you those and they're to blame. I bet you those horseshoe crabs. If 
you know, they were being raped by a by a human. They might they might, developed like some venom actually. They might defend themselves. I heard they give love a bad name. Yeah. They call it Flash Evolution. Flash Flash Evolution. Yeah, I played yeah. that once. Mm. So, oh fuck. <laughs> no. Okay, so before I want to I want to introduce Zool cuz I just went like 5 minutes without. Also on here with me is uh Zool there is no wood only Dana. I'm not even here. Skyler. So. It's okay. I'm not even here. I am an AI. I'm an AI generation of Zool. Uh, yeah. Just a spoopy ghost. I'll just do all yeah. the classic Zool things. Whatever that is. The bats hanging off the nipples just really, they got me going. <laughs> and <laughs> Steve yeah, talked about Bush, you know, HW, Bush, you know, going to horseshoe crabs instead of cats. That you know, conjured an image in my head of a uh, fucking uh, George W. walking around like a oh shit, what's it called? An alleyway with like a can of tuna. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> oh, you know he's not getting a hobo cat hole. You're not getting mm-hmm. no. Those are those are purebred cats, and uh... that's down in dirt. Oh, I'm at okay. All these cat holes are just like you know. Oh, a cover for like a human Vietnamese child hole. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's going around with the tuna, but a little Vietnamese boy crawls out of the sewer, you know, after going after the the tuna can, and kicks him back down. I'm looking for a pussy, damn it! That and just thinking of Bush having a picture of a a boy's butthole. And, Come here, look at this cat hole. <laughs> gotcha. You ever seen a cat hole like this? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's... Sitting sitting on the uh the desk in the Oval Office. It's just a, a picture of a cat hole. I mean it probably wouldn't be any different than what was on Bill Clinton's desk. He had worse. No. Yeah. Oh shit. I think Oh, an episode that hadn't come out yet, but I made reference to the uh these vampire creatures being more honest. Or being blood-sucking vampires like the Clintons, only probably they're a little bit more honest about being <laughs> blood-sucking vampires. <laughs> yeah, I think we were. I think you're talking into the future. Well, well, that'll that'll be said about the 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 Wang, the ass Wang. Yet to be ass wanged. So, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, well, it's a week. I mean, it's a week from the banana pudding experiment. I mean, I was gonna say about the same as you you asked a, an hour ago. <laughs> so, <Cock. laughs> we gotta treat it like it's a new week. So, yes, yeah. we filmed this one at the same time as the first one. This, but waited a week to put it out. Oh, thank so. God! Because if I was still feeling like this a week later, I think I probably need to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, welcome to my life, dude. Uh, up until recently, I shit nothing but fucking seem like ice cream shop from my ass. Mm, ice cream. But so today we're covering part two of HW. Um, so this episode, like 
we're going to continue our slow wade into the deep end, you know, with our semi-deep dive into this. Semi-deep bush dive. Not uh, not deep enough to uh, to crush us. I Hopefully. don't know. Almost for me, just mentally. So <laughs> no, no. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, no homemade subs here. Yeah. Now we go to Subway for our subs. Yep. Oh wait, I get that, Steve. Okay. <laughs> He's being topical. Again, this is a week later, <laughs> so it might not be as. Clear. Yeah, everyone will, will have forgotten about that by now. Yeah, my son tried to argue with me today that uh, it exploded. I mean, it kind of did. It did a reverse explosion. It exploded yeah. inwards. That's what I kept trying to tell him, nobody. Like, the pressure down there is so great that it's, you know, and I took a beer can and go, and he's like, no, no, it goes out, Dad. I'm like, no, bud. No. It was an implosion. No. You're talking, if it was in space, it would have gone out. But you got the crushing weight of the ocean on you, and it comes in so fast that the all the air and molecules inside there superheat and turn into basically. I don't know. I think they were vaporized. Yeah, from what I heard. I mean, the, plus, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, and also there's no ocean in space, so that's you very, can't. It's true. That can't happen. I <laughs> fucking gonna kill you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> You little uh, fucking cackling cunt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's, you know, rich white people are the only people that go down to try to fucking see the Titanic. <laughs> How much did they pay for them tickets to go down there? And we're talking about the people that died because of the the tin can they called a sub sandwich. Titan, Titan. So. Wasn't it like uh, quarter million? The Titan Mobile. Quarter, quarter, was it a quarter million. I was going to say five hundred. Quarter mil a piece. A piece. <laughs> That's probably the most expensive funeral ever. I was going to say I can die for a whole lot less than that. You want to die like the people of the Titanic, only more dramatic. Actually, that probably worked out <laughs> well for them because I don't think they know what happened. It probably was like there was a like a ping and then. Bloop. And it sucked in like a beer can against TJ's head, and uh, that was it. Then it joined the ghost. Yeah, of the actually, Titanic. I I read that uh they would have been dead like before, like their brain even had time. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, to process like pain signals. Yep. Fuck like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. I mean, it, they had it better than the people on the Titanic. <laughs> They didn't yeah. probably, well, they probably had an idea they were going to die, but the people on, t- on the Titanic were probably pretty sure that they were going to die for a while. No, I would have been the guy running, trying to jump off the ship with my fishing pole. <laughs> Me and Burton. Burton's like, don't forget the tackle box. Shut the fuck up. Just grab your pole, dude. And then the tackle box goes under and Burton's like sitting there diving down. You don't even need tackle. That you just pick off a do. pinky of some like you know, third class crew or, you know, passenger that's floating down there. You just put that on your hook, put the finger yeah. on there. and Perfect. Bur- Burton's the only man I've ever met that would jump in water for his tackle box. He's probably, yeah. If probably, probably got when some, we were, we were in this lake that was super fucking deep, but it was crystal clear. You could see, you know, almost to the bottom and Burton's like, my tackle box goes in. I'm jumping, just so you know. 
I'm like, he's prepared. what the fuck? <laughs> he's prepared to die for that tackle box. Was it's it like least? between 120 and 80 feet, and I'm like, no, no, don't. At least he warns you, like, <sighs> so you wouldn't go diving in, too. But some of the things Burton says, like, he, you doubt, you know, because he doesn't, he's like, oh, okay. But then that thing, he had a twinkle in his eye, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Should I even go out here with him? <laughs> but get back on track. <laughs> back on dry land. This episode will be largely centered around Poppy, HW, George HW, you know, all the same person. His possible involvement, or at minimum, weird coincidences during the Kennedy assassination. Hmm. Coincide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if time permits, we'll also go over some other incidences that, you know, during his tenure as vice president and president. So, like we said, Bush may have had some form of involvement with the Kennedy assassination. Now, before you go rolling your eyes like some semi-epileptic that may have watched The Undertaker way too much during his WWF years, just take a chance, you know, let us present our facts. We'll come to your conclusion then, Okay. So my default a lot of times is typically to call bullshit. But after the last episode where we spent so much time talking about Bush's secret involvement with the CIA prior to being director and the research for this director, I feel like the coincidences are eerie as fuck. So just sit back, relax, drink a cold one unless you're driving. Especially if you're driving. Oh, nope. Jesus. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like they ain't gonna hold us fucking liable they're adults that's true that's true do what you will but we yeah if, if you're gonna drink and drive at least you know wear a seatbelt <laughs> and don't blame us don't hit other people just don't drink and drive but and prepare to have your brain fucked by the proverbial fat man in an overcoat oh oh well, that's I'm the intrigued. End. That's the end of that. I was gonna say I have a I have a, a theory about Bush's involvement with the Kennedy assassination, but I kind of wait to see where we go with it before I disclose it. So stick around. Will I be getting an overcoat for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should have arrived oh. today. Oh man! I think we Amazon overnighted that thing. It should have showed up. They should have fucking UPS. They should have dressed you with it. Dressed you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do, does do, do, uh, do UPS drivers like dress you now? Like uh, when you order clothes from them? I mean, not, I and they deliver. They like go in. I think it's through, is that like an extra service you can pay for? Through Amazon now. Yeah. Like. I I mean, last time I got fucking sued for visiting the guy with my wiener tucked between my legs. Mm. Visiting what guy? You know they didn't do it then. Huh? What guy? Visiting the Amazon guy. Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, I visited the guy. It was some guy. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, some guy. The some Amazon guys. guy. This is going well. <laughs> Mr. Amazon himself. <laughs> so, <clears throat> okay. We'll start off. We'll start this off in the, the really deep end with the burning question. Where was Bush on the day Kennedy was shot? 
I think he was sniffing some uh, certain holes, but I, I thought the burning question was why is my urethra burning? Oh. I thought that was it. Who puts jalapenos in their pudding? That's been my question. Well, it was my question last week. Uh, JFK. Have you guys ever eaten? Oh, nope. Sorry. Nope. Nope. I was nope. Gonna, I was gonna... Right, go ahead. Bring in. Oh, no. I mean, you know, all this talk about burning. I was, you know, I was, I was wondering if you guys like have ever eaten stuff like so much spicy stuff that your pee hole burns. Like after you, after eating it, like in the middle of the night, you go up to pee, right? No, and I don't think like, that's, I think you're pissing. I think that's something. Like, oh my God. That, uh, I think that's something else. Oh, I think that's after this. Uh, I think that's the gonorrhea. After that eighteen dollar hooker gobbled my cock, uh, I really had issues with paying. Mm. Should have should have paid the extra two dollars. Yeah, the twenty dollars. That's a that's a step up. <laughs> twenty dollars. I, I I chose around the two dollars up for the Riley Children's Hospital. Oh yeah. 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 That makes, <laughs> A hooker with a heart of gold. Yeah. And a vagina of fire. (laughs) What the fuck? Anyway, back to John F. Kennedy getting shot. (laughs) JFK, or John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was the 35th president of the United States. He was assassinated while riding in an open-top car in a parade in Dallas, Texas at Dealey Plaza. On November 22nd, 1964. For people who were alive, unlike the three of us, maybe Steve. Steve may have been alive yeah, in 64. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I was there. He was alive in 64. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he just transcends Pick time. And, Steve transcends time and space. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> he just all hit Steve always has been and always will be. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he's the great oh, He's the great and powerful Sven. Anyway. <laughs> for people who were alive this day, uh it is burned into everyone's mind in some form of collective PTSD. Um the people alive at the time know exactly where they were doing when they heard about the assassination. Much like people of our generation when the Twin Towers toppled over several decades later. Um, it would be somewhat odd if someone didn't take a mental inventory of what they were doing, even if it is unintentional, when something so uh, unbelievably tragic uh, happens. Well, uh, this isn't the case for old uh, H.W. Uh, H.W. conveniently had a lapse in memory on that bloody day in November, uh, <laughs> even though he was a, he was a little busy that day. Um, and we can prove that because of memos from both the FBI and the CIA. So, like I said earlier, a lot of poppy <laughs> stories are riddled with strange coincidences and weird happenings. Uh, so when questioned about where he was during the Kennedy watermelon shot, he would frequently stake. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, old, old Kennedy watermelon crawl. 
Uh, so he would frequently state that he didn't remember where he was. While it doesn't really sound like a big deal, when coupled with a few other items, it begins to look fishier than a hook or caught in a lake. The guy's like somewhat connected with intelligence and uh, the political apparatus of the United States, but you know somehow has a lapse in the idea of when the commander in chief got his yeah. top of his head. Uh, He got shot in. Got a little bit he, too close on top. He got shot. <laughs> he got shot in the head. He got shot there with a gun. With a bullet from a gun. Anyway, which I will say that supposedly all those things that we mentioned last episode, coupled with this, like it's it's really fucking odd. So, um, like I said, a lot of you probably right now probably super skeptical, but but after. Coincidence after coincidence after lie after lie, things don't really add up. And it just keeps getting stranger. And we're even good with math. No. Nope, I'm a social worker for a reason, dude. No. <laughs> and it's not because I'm empathetic. Is it because you're impotent? Yep. <laughs> I have a hard time getting it up. Which is good when you work I, I think around never mind. I take blue chew every day. Oh my god. It really gets me hard. Fucking uh, those blue chew commercials. Uh you know you're getting older when that's like that thing that shows up on your Facebook timeline, even though you avoid them like the plague. I I always hear it in podcast. I hear it. It's always on my Facebook. You let me tell you a secret about how to how to how to interest a girl like me? Like I gotta take a boner pill to get you like into me is that what you're saying like do you want me to walk around with an erection fucking 24 uh, 7 before I mean, you'll become interested yeah not hey nice intellect or nice eyes yeah. but look at that pee pee poking out tell me first question first question do you take a pill to get your boner on oh no mm, mm, yeah well, those are natural. Hard pass. Those are natural boners. <laughs> it's a hard pass or a floppy pass, depending on it's a flaccid pass. Anyway, enough with the blue chew. I think that's where the Donner Party died. <laughs> the, the flaccid pass. Flaccid pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Well, we found them all eaten and fucked. Yeah, they were having quite an orgy. Teeth and boners everywhere. So let's dive back in. Uh, before we dive back in to H.W.'s whereabouts during the shot heard around the world, we need to back it up uh, to before the assassination, or as we call it, again, the Texas watermelon crawl in the 1960s. Because his head exploded <laughs> yeah, like a yeah, watermelon. Yeah, again, we're going to make that reference maybe a few more times, I think. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. I was drunk when I wrote this. Yeah. Do the choo, do the, what is that song? Do the Texas watermelon crawl. The song? Yeah. Yeah. From the boots to the oh. wall. From the, to the sweat from the poop. Drops down my balls. From the poop to the wall. Do the watermelon crawl. All these crawl. bushes crawl. <laughs> what? <laughs> All these bushes crawl. Jesus. All skeet skeet motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, you seen Bush at the end of his life. He definitely wasn't walking. Oh, that fucker was skeeting everywhere. Zing. 
Oh my God. Okay, we need to get back on. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the 1960s, H.W. was in an organization called the Young Republicans. Young Republicans focused on young men and women between the ages of 18 and 40. <clears throat> it has both a national organization, chapters, and individual states. Young Republican clubs are both social and political in nature, and many of them sponsor various social events and networking events for members. In addition, young Republican clubs assist Republican political candidates during the election season. Uh, old, old Bush was just starting out his uh, political career, and as we discussed in the last episode, uh, Bush's espionage and CIA career possibly started a decade before uh, in 1952, uh, due to his initial career choice of a uh, parts salesman for Dresser and eventual oil man, uh, Bush had several giant connections by this time. Uh, one such friend he had uh, was Alan Dulles, who was the director of the CIA uh, in the 1960s. Bush also had many other convenient connections who would then go on to play some part in the Kennedy assassination. So, in a story written by Miguel Acoca and published in the San Francisco Examiner shortly after H.W. accepted his Republican nomination in the late 80s, Bush allegedly called the FBI on a fellow Republican shortly after JFK slang. In the article titled Documents, Bush Blew Whistle on Rival in JFK Slaying. Uh, Akoka talks about a man who called the FBI in Houston a few months after JFK was killed in Dallas. The man identified himself as George H.W. Bush. Bush conveniently gave his location at the time of the assassination. Bush told the agent that he was in Tyler, Texas. He told him exactly what time he was there and his exact location in Tyler, Texas. He also stated that he was going to be staying in Dallas that evening after he leaves Tyler, Texas. This call strikes me as odd, you know, almost if he's trying to artificially create his alibi. Yeah. Um, so in this call, HW told the FBI that a man who was also in the young Republicans with him, a James Milton Parrott, talked a lot of shit about Kennedy. Basically, this man was also considered a rival of HW's in the club. So the FBI followed up on the tip and interviewed James Parrott and found out that he was actually at. <coughs> his mom's home all day in Houston. Yeah. yeah this guy, according old, to parrot. Oh, I'll say this guy, old Jimmy, old Jimmy parrot, Jimmy parrot. He keeps talking about uh, Kennedy and watermelons. <laughs> caw, caw. <laughs> he was looking for them. Uh, he'd run out of cat holes. By that point, he's looking for them parrot holes. Hey, hey tropical holes. FBI man. You know where I can get me some cat holes? Or Vietnamese holes. Or is that like a... I'd settle for either. Is that like a donut hole? No, no, no. (laughs) 
sort of. It just goes inside instead of just being round. <laughs> according to Parrot, he never wished any harm on JFK, and he stated that he had never spoken about harming Kennedy in any way. He did say that he didn't agree with po- policies that Kennedy had in place, but it never went past that. Now, this could be the uh, conspiratorial mind at work, uh, but it does seem strange that H.W. would make false allegations on someone uh, who probably uh, never told H.W. that he wanted Kennedy dead uh, in the first place. Uh, It doesn't make sense unless uh, Bush was attempting to purposely make it look like he was somewhere else uh, that somewhere else being anywhere that wasn't near Dallas. <laughs> just any fucking place, just not Dallas. Uh, when Bush reported his rival, there was a suspicion that H.W. knew Parrott's alibi would hold up and the allegations would never harm his political career. But again, this report documented Bush's location shortly after the assassination. Also... Sort of a fun fact here. Some 30-odd years later, James Parrott was asked to work H.W.'s presidential campaign against Clinton. And to put a little cherry on top of that, H.W. asked Parrott himself. I tell you, old Parrott, old boy, let bygones be bygones. You know? Steve, a weird thing is... now. This seems like something a kid would do, wouldn't you say? Like what HW did? Like get caught in a in a lie. Like it was like, oh no, I wasn't. I didn't steal it from the cookie jar. I was in. Uh, well, he wasn't even caught in know. a lie. He was like preemptively like. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I never, I didn't, I didn't do this shit. I was in Tuscaloosa, what, Dallas. No, I was in some guy named Tyler. I mean, I was in Tyler, Texas. I wasn't in a guy. But like, Tyler's Tyler's Vietnamese cat. Okay, maybe not a kid. I, I'm thinking just a poorly planned thing, like where he called the FBI, dude. And, you know, just so, like, he had an alibi of where he was. Yeah. It's like, hey, totally unrelated, but just so you guys know, I wasn't in Dallas today. I don't mean, it's like, well, we weren't asking, but I guess that's good to know. Yeah, I wasn't in Dallas. Never heard of Dallas. I don't even like watermelons. <laughs> Kennedy? Who's that? I, I, don't, I don't recall a Kennedy. Is he the one dating Joe DiMaggio? Uh, yep. God damn it, Steve. You're supposed to get that one. No, I, I got it. You motherfucker. I'm going to slap your little <laughs> dick against my tits. Uh, I mean, I, I got it. Didn't make me laugh. But I'm going to fucking murder you. Ouch. <laughs> uh. So back to Miguel Acoca. Old Miguel attempted to contact Bush's office once he found out that GW GW was the tipster on the uh, November 22nd, 63 call. The press office denied allegations stating that it never happened. And then they challenged the authenticity of the FBI report. A week or two later, uh, an aide stated that Bush did not recall ever making the call. Well, that's convenient. I don't recall making the call. 
about me not being able to recall if I was in Dallas or in Tyler or some guy named Tyler or uh, <laughs> that little boy named Tyler from Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I think that was his name. I couldn't say it, so I called him Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess that's better than calling him Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I I found him in a tree. That's fair. I was a little before, I think. But yeah, well, no. Anyway. Uh, In in December of 91, uh, Oliver Stone's movie, JFK, was released, and the public started to question the conclusion of the Warren Report. Uh, This helped Congress unanimously pass the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992. I like titles that don't make you think. It's all right right there in the title. No thinking involved. Uh, This act required each federal agency to collect all documents uh, regarding the assassination and forward them to the National Archives. H.W. issued a signing statement that attached conditions that age the executive authority the ability to withhold records on the basis of natural security and some other conditions. The memo regarding him contacting the FBI about Mr. Parrott was held back from the initial release, but was later declassified during the Clinton administration in 1993. As I say... I think we're still waiting for documents. All the documents oh, to be no. released from the Kennedy. They were supposed to. They, they could have been declassified, like I don't know, six years ago, something like that. But and Trump apparently was supposed to, and and then he didn't. I mean, that's crazy as shit. Yeah, there's no reason. The fact no. that they still hold something from the early '60s as a matter of national security. No, I want. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to be the president just for the fact that he says he will declassify them. Wait, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, I was thinking of JFK Jr. No, Bobby Kennedy's son. I was like, uh, Bobby Kennedy's son. JFK Jr. <laughs> Got some news for you. RFK Jr. J- I was going to say, John F. Kennedy Jr.'s son comes out of the ocean with his arms raised. Like the, uh, like, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, like Ted Danson in the Creep Show movie. Yeah, <laughs> he comes out of the water and he kills uh kills Ledley, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, uh, that's a great. So, my question is, why would H.W. lie about contacting the FBI? You know, let alone using a presidential uh, directive, which would allow him to withhold the release of said documents. You know, Bush didn't want to get caught in a lie. <clears throat> And I fully believe that he knew what he was doing, you know. The call into the FBI and the government memo that followed furnished Bush with an alibi and plausible deniability regarding the assassination. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'll say Bush was definitely, I mean, we discussed that thing the last one just with his scholastic accolades. Uh, he was a fairly intelligent person, and I think to sink or, or to swim with the. Uh, uh, with those uh, globalist elites, you got to be sharp as a tack. <laughs> I don't know. Or have a tiny pee-pee that could fit in a little Asian boy's butt. Yeah, it fit in a small little boy, boy's butt. <laughs> God damn it.
Uh, yeah, we're talking way too much about <laughs> boys' holes. A little, be- a little pee-pees. Yep. You got to pay the troll toll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say the rest of it. To get into this boys' hole. <laughs> Are you saying boy's hole or boy's it's it's, it's boy's soul? (laughs) Oh, that show. Oh, okay. So now there is a twist to the story. Barbara Bush, who was uh, H.W.'s wife, wrote in her memoirs that she was in Tyler, Texas, uh, meeting with a friend, and H.W. was not around. (laughs) Oh. That's uh, that's spicy. Mm. That's Sean spicy, even. Uh, old HW would later arrive on a plane that was lent to them by a friend, Joe Zeppa, founder of the Delta Drilling Company in Tyler. So we got Zeppa and Zapatos and <laughs> Geppettos and bushes flying on planes. Geppettos, yeah, mm. just. A bunch of shit going on here. Cool. Isn't that funny though? Yeah. It's a uh, kind of kind of spooky. Well, like her book, I was reading through it, and it, she didn't say like on the day that Kennedy died, but she did give the exact date. Um, it just came up in a story that she was what you know meeting a friend there, in Tyler, and here comes old Poppy flying in on a plane. Private plane. Is that watermelon on you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just eat. I was just eating some watermelon on the plane ride over there. According to, <laughs> according to, according to someone that was only in Tyler, Texas. <laughs> but according to an interview by author Russ Baker with uh, with Keating Zapata, Joe Zapata Keating. Yeah. Exceeding with a K. Yeah. Keating Zapata. Zeppa. Zapata. God damn. There's too many there's over. too many words that start with Z in this. There's too many names that start with Z in this in this in this episode. I'm confused. Oh, According to an interview by author Russ Baker with Keating Zeppa. Joseppa's son, Joseppa's plane <laughs> bypassed Dallas's downtown, dropped Joseppa off at Fort Worth Municipal Airport, then went back to Dallas and stayed there until the next day. Without Zeppa. Without Zeppa. Joseppa. Joseppi. Oh, my little Joseppi. Is that how it is? That should be how it's, yeah. how it's gonna be said for us. I think Giuseppe. Yeah. Oh, get up out of your plane, Giuseppe. <laughs> we need to go to Dallas for some watermelon. So from Dallas, the plane left on the morning of November twenty second and flew to Tyler, Texas with an occupant on board named George H. W. Bush. Now Keating Zeppi couldn't remember Bush being on the flight before he landed in Dallas, but he did remember him being on the plane that morning when he flew back to Tyler. 
bum, bum, bum. So he was in. So he just appeared Dallas. on the plane. I've been this plane. Oh, no, he didn't just appear Out like fucking. Nowhere. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's not just flying through the air and here comes Bush. Hey. Oh, gotcha. my God. Where'd you come from? I was in the lav- I was in the lavatory. <laughs> Keating, Zeppa, and flight logs confirmed that Bush was dropped off in Tyler, Texas, 99 miles away from Dallas. Bush made the call at 1.45 p.m., which was enough time to get to where him and Barbara were staying. After making the call to the FBI, Bush left Tyler and flew to Dallas. Which, when he landed in Dallas, he switched planes immediately and flew to Houston. So, according to H.W. statements later on that later date, he was actually staying in the Sheridan um, in Dallas the night before the assassination. Mm. Which he did not disclose, you know, to the FBI when he made that report. And his impromptu call to the FBI. (laughs) Yeah. And H.W. also stated that he was going to be staying at the Sheridan. He did state that he was going to be staying there the night after the assassination. Mm. Which, you know, obviously didn't because he went to Houston. They went to Tyler. No, he switched flights after, like, instead of going to Dallas that night, he went to... He went to Dallas and then to Houston. I, I don't. I don't know. I think this whole thing's fucking weird as shit. Where was he? Was he in Dallas? Was he in Houston? He's, Tyler, Joseppe. Well, and there's there's flight logs backing it up though. Yeah. That he was actually on this flight. Yeah. Joseppe knows. Yeah. He's, a, he's a you know he's a reliable boy. Joseppe. Joseppe wouldn't lie a day in his life. He's a good boy. So the questions that are rattling around in our collective mind are, why all the misdirection? Why did he report someone for being possibly involved with the JF- killing of JFK when he knew that person had no involvement? Why was he giving the FBI the impression he would, he would be staying in Dallas the night after the assassination instead of letting him know he had stayed there the night before the assassination. Why did he land in Dallas, then switch flights to Houston? It all kind of seems like um, uh, like he's trying to make it seem like he was somewhere else, so he couldn't be associated with, with the, uh, the actual assassination. Yeah. Am I here? Am I there? Where am I going to be? Could I be here? Am I on the moon? Am I on... Oh, getting some barbecue ribs down in down in Tyler with my friend Giuseppe. <laughs> Giuseppe. <laughs> Did I meet up with Tommy Devaner and we eating shrimps? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this shit is already somewhat weird, you know. But we're gonna have to look at two of George H.W.'s relationship, which this will make it even weirder who were directly and indirectly involved with the assassination. One of the people we'll discuss is a man named George Morinshield. So now we're going to gloss over some of the things because a lot of this involving George Morinshield and, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? The assassin, the would-be assassin. Oswald? Yeah, Oswald. I don't know why. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so a lot of that we're going to talk about in great depth during the JFK assassination episode, which hopefully will come out this November. So, also, all of the official government memos talking about Morin Shield and his connections, um, like I said, will be listed in our oh webpage on our webpage. So, uh, www. You have <laughs> dot lunchpillboys.com or, w- or the lunchpillboys. Oh Jesus! But yeah, no. So if you have any doubts with what the next few parts are going, we're going to lay out. Um, look at our sources. So, like I said, first part we're going to talk about is Bush's relationship with George D. Morinshield. <clears throat> George de Morinshield was an American petroleum geologist, anti-communist political refugee, professor, and occasional CIA field agent. He liked long walks on the beach. He's a Sagittarius. And before meeting George W. Bush, he'd never seen a cat hole. And he likes to sprinkle his toenails on his ice cream. Gross. Jesus. Mm. I'll take some of that. Mm. It's all nice and crunchy. <laughs> like especially you let them get like real long, so they're like almost kind of brittle. If my wife, it's like eat the if chip. my wife has been listening to this, she has shut shut this episode off right right at the mention <laughs> of toenails. At the just the mention of hey, toenails. George. Hey George, I heard you like toenails. On your George, I know, you know you like toenails, but have you ever put them on a cat hole? I was gonna say, have you ever put Asian toenails oh. on that ice cream? Spicy. It's not sauce. Why be spicy. What the fuck, Steve? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, touchy. <laughs> I mean, touchy. Yeah. That's spicy, like Sean mm, Spicer. Super spicy. So. Uh, back to George Demore and Shield. Uh, he was born in what is now Belarus uh, on April seventeenth, nineteen eleven. He's a fellow Aries. George was originally. Oh my God! I should let you read this. Jersey Sturgis von Minecraft. <laughs> Jersey, Jersey Shores von Minecraft. Jersey, Jersey Surges. Jersey Surges von Morenschild. Morenschild. Sorry, close enough. Whose mother and father were aristocrats. <laughs> I'm gonna leave us in here. I tried, tried too hard to read names. I, just, I didn't even mean to say that. That's a, uh, so he was part of the Disney animated feature, The Aristocats. George von Morenschild immigrated to the United States in May 1938, after which he legally changed the noble identifier in his name, Von, which was German, to the French D. After World War II, uh, 
de Minecraft worked for uh, several oil companies as a uh, petroleum geologist. Uh, throughout the years, he began to hobnob with uh, many of the oil barons of the southern U.S., uh, primarily down in Texas. Uh, Minecraft would join right-wing <laughs> groups. Sorry. More. <laughs> More and Shield. More and Shield would join right-wing groups, such as the Crusade for Freedom. Uh, he wasn't a fan of communism. Um, couldn't have guessed that from Crusade for Freedom. Um, uh, because he witnessed uh, many of its... Uh, Downfalls while living in Belarus. I always think it's funny that many of the harshest critics of like communism and socialism and all that shit are the people that migrated. You know. Wait, you are surprised about that? Immigrated. A little bit. That they are skeptical about? I mean, just something they've been exposed to, say, most of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. I mean, but I guess if you're around something all the time, like constantly, you're going to be more aware of its negative aspects. You know, I mean, yeah. take capitalism, even, you know, people that aren't exposed to it all the time would be like, you know, could look at it and be like, oh, no, I mean, that makes sense. It seems great. And, you know, meanwhile, those of us that are in it, it's like, yeah, it's not all there are not that many of us. Not, all not many, that many of us trying to escape it. No, I mean, it's it's for for it for true. its flaws. There are more people trying to get here than out. So, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. It, it makes it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, there are numerous coincidences regarding Warren Shield and his connection with to both H.W. Bush and the JFK assassination. Since doing this research, I feel that there are way too many instances of happenstances. You know, and least likely explanation that could actually be based on truth. So, Morin Shield, when I talk about his connection to H.W. Bush, Morin Shield had actually met H.W. Bush in the early 40s when... Bush was living with Morin Shield's nephew at Andover. And in 1957, Morin Shield was hired by the State Department to conduct a geological survey of land in communist Yugoslavia. Not again! <laughs> okay. Get last episode, remember the Yugoslavian guy oh yeah <laughs> mr mr yugoslavia himself <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping you guys would remember the one that. guy <laughs> we only acknowledge one man in yugoslavia <laughs> now i've read uncle tito uncle tito now i've read that using the state department as a cover, uh, as a cover, as a CIA agent has been done many times before. And while there, DeMoran Shield was accused by the secret police of making drawings of military fortifications. I definitely read that as military fornications. I'm just trying. <laughs> At first, I was like, well, 
All right. Just trying to draw me some still lifes of this fornications here. <laughs> That's military, military porn. Pornication. <laughs> and so after returning to the United States, DeMorenshield was debriefed by the CIA, both in Washington and in Dallas. Always goes back to Dallas. Steve, and I don't have you guys heard of that before? Because I've read it in a few books and shit and some of the podcasts I've listened to, but like identifying as the State Department is typically a cover used by a lot of CIA. Seems agents. like a very vague term you could use that just kinda like, yeah, I'm with yeah. the State Department. It covers all your bases. Sounds official. It's vague enough. And it would explain why you're there. It would explain why you have certain classifications and access, you know, special access. Yep. You know, why you might think, uh, you think we could pull that off and just wander up and be like, yeah, I'm with the State Department. Is that why you're drawing penises you know, in the yeah. middle of the road here? Yeah, I'm with the State Department. We just be official penis yeah. business, official, uh, <laughs> military fornications. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'd walk up with bats on my tits, <laughs> sir. What are you doing with bats on your tits? Oh, State Department business. State yeah, Department. don't worry. <laughs> oh, okay, he's with the State Department. I'll just, I'll just leave him pee. I heard he may be Agent Zero for COVID. Yeah, I, don't wanna, I don't fuck with that. Not the vid. Horseshoe herpes. <laughs> <laughs> George D. Morinshield was an active member of two CIA proprietary organizations, the Dallas Council on World Affairs and the Crusade for a Free Europe. So Crusades are through Europe have always gone well, right? <laughs> yeah, every time. <laughs> well, so there are also some other people in these groups, other members. Abraham Zapruder. Wait, what? Clint Murchison, which I don't know who the fuck Clint Murchison is, but David Bird. Cool. Neil Malone, which you may remember from last episode. I can't remember, but I remember his name. <laughs> Yeah, is that Carmel instead? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Okay. The, the original, All right. Yeah, the original so. mailman. Yeah. Haroldson L. Hunt and the man who this episode's about, George H. W. Bush. H. Bush. So that the, the Abraham's a pruder. Is it just a coincidence? The last name and the pruder film. I was just going to try to look and see who who filmed the Zapruder film. But, uh, God damn it, every first letter I type doesn't come out. Hold on, as much as we watched, holy fuck. Is it? Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, oh, holy shit. <laughs> so we're finding out this in real time is, is just like you are. Apparently, they've, wow. So this so happens is the Pruder guys had involvement with the Crusades and Moore and Shield <laughs> and all this just happened to be filming the president getting his head blown off in Dealey Plaza when H.W. Bush was some flying on some plane, maybe, or he was in Tyler, maybe he was... Oh, my. Okay. So, do you see what I'm talking about now, oh, now yeah, though? Yeah, yeah. The strange coincidences. Yeah. I mean, it's a small world, but some at some point, you know, stop... And the fact that... Ain't, ain't that small. Ain't that small. Yeah. The Pruder was in an F... Or not FBI, CIA group, along with H.W., Neil Malone, and uh, George D. De Morinshield, you know? That's, I don't know. It's just, it's fucking weird. This whole thing is fucking weird. 
So, in 1961, Morinshield was invited to lunch by a J. Walton Moore, who was the CIA field office chief at the time. According to author Edward J. Epstein, during the lunch, Moore told Morinshield about an unfriendly and eccentric man who was also a Marine, Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, Moore told Morinshield that Oswald had moved to uh, Minsk, Belarus, with his Russian wife, and then moved back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Ah, I bet you Minsk is, Minsk is lovely this time of year. So supposedly, Morinshield was curious about uh, Oswald, the Oswalds living in Minsk. Morinshield actually lived in Minsk, where he spent his early childhood. So he's curious to meet the couple and to find out what had happened to the city. Someone gave him Lee's address, and one afternoon, he and friend... Colonel Lawrence Orloff <laughs> drove to Fort Worth, which was just about 30 miles from Dallas. I don't Do you guys think that's weird that, you know, first of all, Lee Harvey just happened to pop up in a conversation, you know, of a, of a CIA filled. No, um, all these change. interconnected parties. Yeah, it's total coincidence. Steve, what do you think? I mean, I think it's a little weird he was hanging out with a known vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Count Orloff. Fucking idiot. (laughs) Didn't know his first you know know his first name was Lawrence, though. It's kind of not as intimidating. He changed it from Chocula. Chocula. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Colonel translates to uh, to Count in Belarus. But no, but the fact also, like, so. Oswald Snape was brought up by the CIA field office chief in Dallas and had conveniently had his address. And so out of nowhere, he's like, hey, let's just go say hi to this guy, you know? Because everybody fucking does that. Hey, he lived in the same town I grew up in. I'm going to go find him and go to his house. I will say that Oz, like, it was sort of like around Dallas and the Fort Worth area. Um, a lot of people had heard of Oswald during that time because it was like sort of a big thing to be an American that moved to Russia and then moved back. I could see that. Yeah, I can uh, give. I could see that given this, you know, political circumstances. Well, and what happened with Oswald when he was in Russia, <laughs> which we'll discuss in the Kennedy assassination. Oh, in Russia, to Fucking be an idiot. No, he just went to the... Uh, cat hole. Oh, they don't have embassies in their country, but he went to some government building, and he's like, hey, like trying to get the KGB to interview him because he's like, I know all this stuff. I know where all the best cat holes are. And, K- but... yeah. <laughs> and he was trying to get the KGB to enlist him. Mm. But they're like, we already know what you know, yeah. so why the <laughs> fuck would we, you know? But... Like I said, we'll cover that in the JFK thing. But so Mormon Shield and Oswald, over the course of a few months, <coughs> formed a friendship. Um, they would go over to each other's house, you know. During that time period of the initial friendship forming, and until Mormon Shield moved away, he would take Oswald 
to anti-Castro meetings in Dallas. Um, like I said, they would frequently hang out, you know, stop in, talk to each other. It was uh, stated that Morris Shield was at Oswald's home and apartment almost daily. Up until George de Morinschild moved to Haiti in 1963, he was he considered himself a good friend. Of just Morinschild and Oswald just chumming it up, back slapping and like old old watermelon chums. Yeah. They call themselves the Watermelon Club. Let's say chumly. chumly. <laughs> uh, so many suspected that uh, Morinschild was actually. Oswald Oswald's babysitter and basically in charge of protecting his general welfare. Also, another weird coincidence is that Dr. Morinshield was acquainted with Jacqueline, Jacqueline Kennedy's father, John Bouvier, and her mother, Achenklos, since Jackie was a little girl. So, yeah, there's lots of... Uh... Lots of coincidences. A big club. All over the place. Um, so we know now that not only did uh, Morinshield know H.W. Bush and uh, and hang out in the same uh, CIA fronts as him, but Morinshield was also a reputed CIA agent who may have been responsible for uh, babysitting Oswald. I thought reputed may have been a like a real strong word when talking about Morinshield as like a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a memo in our sources, which I think I'll make reference to it a little bit later, that stated, in quotes, Morinshield, a reputed CIA agent. <laughs> so it's documented. Fucking cretin. Old Jackie Creighton uh, was with the office uh, Office of Strategic Services, which is the predecessor to the CIA during World War II. Uh, during World War II, after World War II, Jack would go on to start many businesses. These businesses had some of the biggest names in America backing them, such as the Bonfman family. Seagram, Seagrams? Yeah, that's who owned hmm. Seagrams. The DuPont family. And the Kalobe, Kunlobe uh, family. Which they are like a bunch of investors. Like uh, really famous investors. So they got, uh, this guy's got some big friends, uh, you know, working with them. So throughout the 50s, he also became involved with several oil men. Uh, which I don't believe are men actually made of oil, but I can't. That's a. I, I think they're reputed to. They're reputed, reputed to be made of oil. <laughs> you motherfuckers, <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, with the, he became involved with several reputed oil men, uh, which. <laughs> Damn it! The screen. Uh, where'd it went? I lost it. Uh, with the intent of claiming stake over South American oil. So, in 1956, 
Creighton started up his own spy unit, the 488th Military Intelligence Detachment. Crichton served as the unit's commander under Lieutenant Colonel George Whitmire, who was an overall command of all Army Reserve units in East Texas. In an interview with Crichton, in an interview, Crichton claimed that there were about 100 men in that unit, and 40 or 50 of them were with the Dallas Police Department. We got a lot of men in the unit. Sounds like a large unit. I'd say I got a lot of men in my unit. I don't know what that means. I like the dick. Oh. Wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say he's had more than three. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. The three dick rule. Uh, So Jack Creighton. Also had a close association with George H.W. Bush. According to Fabian Escalante in uh, the Secret War CIA uh, covert operations against Cuba, 1959 to 1962. In 1959, Creighton and Bush raised funds for the CIA's Operation 40. Originally, it was set up to organize. sabotage operations against Castro and his Cuban government. However, it evolved into a team of assassins. In 1961, uh, Creighton joined forces with other right-wing figures in Dallas to establish a program called Know Your Enemy. I think there was an old game show back in the day. I think to... that's the Japanese one where they jack you off and they expect you to like say your ABCs backwards. Yeah, yeah, I was on that. You one. sign up for that game at? <laughs> oh fuck, I can't do that one. <laughs> I don't know my ABCs backwards. <laughs> well, it's like just the jerking off happen to you to you get through the ABCs backwards because like I don't know. Oh, is it? And if you if you mess up this this slap your dick. off, is it? Oh, fuck. <laughs> if you're not hard, they smack your dick. Jesus, get blue. If you're gonna be on the Japanese, uh, if you're gonna be on the Japanese. Know your enemy game. Take blue chew. That's right. That's right. Blue chew. So when they do smack your dick, it yeah. Oh, this, uh, so the, the game show was used to combat communist influence, uh, that quote was undermining the American way of life. Uh, the following year, Creighton opened an underground command post under the patio of the Dallas, uh, health and science museum that was intended for continuity of government operations during a communist attack. That's a trip. Just like dug himself an underground bunker beneath like the fucking science museum. This was funded by the government too. Get myself in. <laughs> so in 1963, Creighton was nominated by the Republican Party for the post of governor of Texas. <clears throat> he joined old HW, who was the nominee for the U.S. Senate. 
Um, oh, I think they. Uh, oh shit! What's it called? Damn it! I cannot think. When you go around telling people vote for me, what's that called? Uh, campaign. Campaigning. Yeah. I'll say they so went they, on tour together. Okay. <laughs> that's what I guess my first <laughs> thought. But that's not it. So I'm gonna re that one. In 1963, Creighton was nominated by the Republican Party for the governor or for the post of governor of Texas. He joined forces and campaigned with old HW. Because HW, I believe, was going for the U.S. Senate seat at that time. Uh, as Creighton later recalled, he and Bush, quote, spoke from the same podiums, mm. unquote, that year. What the fuck does that it's mean? Like playing sword fight? We spoke from the same podiums. They were friends. <clears throat> Docking friends. Oh, God. <laughs> Tubing. I don't know. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus. In November of 1963, Creighton was involved in the arrangements of the visit that President John F. Kennedy made to Dallas. His close friend, Deputy Police Chief George L. Lumpkin, <laughs> awesome name, Lumpkin, and fellow member of the 488th Military Intelligence, Intelligence mm. Detachment, drove the pilot car of Kennedy's mm. motorcade. Also in the car was Lieutenant Colonel George Wetmire, commander of all Army Reserve units in East Texas. The pilot car stopped briefly in front of the Texas School Book Depository, where Lumpkin spoke to a policeman controlling traffic at the corner of Houston and Elm. Weird. It's weird. So Jack was also attending a luncheon the day of the assassination. After it took place, he hired a Russian translator for the interview of Oswald, uh, Oswald's Russian wife, Mariana, Marina Oswald. I don't, know how I, I don't know how to put an extra A in there somewhere. Uh, Marina Oswald. <laughs> Mariana Trench. Yeah, Mariana Trench she's, Oswald. Uh, deep. If, uh... <laughs> <laughs> she's the deepest known. <laughs> anyway. The deepest yeah. known hole. <laughs> According to Russ Baker... Jack was twisting the words of the translator using loose interpretations of the words being used by Marina uh, to implicate Lee Harvey. To review Jack Creighton, he was connected to Bush through the work of the CIA, um, along with you know being involved with uh, running oil businesses. He was also a known commander for a spy unit, military intelligence, and had an underground bunker in <coughs> Dallas. Along with that, which had, like, at minimum, 150-some-odd soldiers in the Dallas Police hmm. Department. If I could speak with HW, I'd definitely ask him, like, on the day of the assassination when Bush was in Dallas, which we hmm. covered, you know, was he in touch with his friend at Creighton during this time period? Do you think he'd answer? 
Yeah. <laughs> Let me. I'll do a perfect. Maybe we. Right now, answering. Perfect. Man, it'd be hilarious is if a fourth window pops up on our little thing here, recording session, and it's uh, the ghost of. He's like, you asked me if I'd talk to my friend on that day. No, I did not. But I did like. I did like water. me some nice juicy, ripe watermelon. The next and uh, final incident that uh, we're going to be covering is the Iran-Contra scandal. Uh, Like everything else uh, we talk about, we're just going to gloss over it because it's a lot. All of this uh, is a lot. There's a lot of shit to cover, a lot of who's who and what's what and that bullshit. There was a shit ton of people um, all involved in that. So uh, as the CIA director in the mid-70s, and as Ronald Reagan's vice president, old H.W. Bush helped forge a world of strongmen, uh, wars, cartels, and refugees that continues on today. Uh, in particular, he was deeply involved in the events that became known as the Iran-Contra scandal, which was a series of illegal operations that began with a secret effort to arm Contra fighters in Nicaragua, in the hopes of toppling the leftist uh, Sandinista government. Uh, This effort became connected to drug trafficking, uh, trading weapons for hostages with Iran, (laughs) and uh, banking scandals. So you could say it all worked out great for everyone, all parties involved. Totally above above board. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Only the only the most above board for HW. So, and a giant expose written on November third, nineteen eighty eight, by Howard Cohn and Vicky Monks of Rolling Stones, both stated that Bush's involvement in the Contra War goes back to the ni- to nineteen eighty two, when he reportedly conspired with CIA chief William Casey in an operation they codenamed Black mm. Eagle. Menacing. Working under Bush, Donald Gregg, who was a prior CIA station chief in North Korea and vice president of H.W. Bush's national security advisor, um, he managed the finances and operations for the Contras. Weird. Now, on Friday, October 30th, 92, independent counsel... Uh, Lawrence Walsh obtained a reindictment of one of H.W.'s co-conspirators, former Secretary of Defense Casper the Friendly Ghost <laughs> Weinberg. Weinberg. On December, el- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we, we you, you you called the Secretary of Defense. Uh, Secretary of Dispense. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I thought of like Secretary handing out pie. Uh, you know, he's dispensing. Uh, he dispenses a lot of things. Dispensing. Uh, hands. Yeah. And wiener. Yeah, so that is the Secretary of Defense, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Wiener Burger. 
Uh, on December 11th, 92, Judge Thomas F. Uh, Hogan threw out this indictment because it violated the five-year statute of limitations and improperly broadened the original charges. Sounds like he uh, he got his heroes on the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hogan's what? heroes. Hogan's heroes. <laughs> yeah. I hate you so bad. I think this <laughs> violates the five-year statute of limitations, brother. There's Hulk Hogan. There's Hulk Hogan, too. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Christmas Eve of 1992, then-President Bush stopped the investigation by Walsh. Bush pardoned six figures, including the Secretary of Defense, Casper Weinberger. I almost called him Wienerberger. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's his name. He, like I said, Secretary of Defense, Casper Weinberger, (laughs) 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 whose trial was about to begin, with Bush likely called to testify. Wash was livid, saying, in quotes, the Iran-Contra cover-up has now been completed. He called Bush a quote, president who has such contempt for honesty and arrogant disregard for rule of law. Some harsh words. I think it's consistent with like what I've, what I found in research. You know, he's got this facade of being a cool dude, funny as shit and all that. Who Bush? But he does a lot of, yeah, but he does a lot of shady shit. yeah, Yeah. Also, and I think I think the proper pronunciation is Casper Wienerberg or Wiener. I fucking Sorry. hate you I so to... much. Wienerberger. I almost fucking I couldn't not almost call him Wiener twice. <laughs> with it. I just say the first thing that I, my pops into my head, no matter what the real word is. I it's just whatever my brain wants to say. We're all just making up words yeah, around these yeah, parts. Words are fluid, like. Well, so, and I want to apologize for sort of the brevity of uh, the last little bit, like involving his stint as being a CIA or the head spook, and then also the Iran Contra. Um, I think we covered. I think we covered the interesting a- stuff mostly. I mean, it just—it's a very good collection of. Eyes to people and events around the assassination that just kind of, kind of hard to be like, huh? That's nothing. That's nothing to worry about. Well, and people said like it's a uh, like a lot of this is reaching, like a lot of it, like with Morinshield. I can see Crichton maybe a little yeah. bit, but Crichton the fact gets around. that all these people had CIA involvement. And involvement outside of the CIA with Bush. Yeah, yeah it's you know? all a club. Big club. Steve, you typically are the biggest skeptic I know at times. What do you think about this? Well, honestly? I'm actually kind of on board with it. Um, I've done a little bit of reading. Just, I don't know. Not, not a deep dive like this or semi-deep dive. But... Um, you know, I've always heard, you know, there's rumors of of Bush's involvement and in all of his work uh, in the CIA. I knew about his involvement in uh, 
Iran Contra. Yeah. Before this, of course, that's you know probably the most famous one. Um, but after you know reading all of the uh, you know connections everywhere and and documented connections, yeah, it's kind of hard, to, you know, kind of dismiss all these all these suggestions as just conspiracy theories. I think there's probably definitely something to it. I mean, well, I mean, really, and really what got me, because I, I legitimately didn't know this, the Zapruder being linked to the CIA, like, back That to group. me, yeah, yeah I'm like, with you there. <laughs> what the Like, fuck? yeah, their buddy Zapruder just happened to be filming in Z- Dealey Plaza that day. I mean, but... Because, yeah, like, who the fuck maybe, saw that coming? You know? Right. Or then the cops or the, the driver of the lead car in the motorcade, and... I mean, it's... I guess it could be reaching. I mean, I guess and these all, you know, these guys could all have connections, same connections to Bush in the same way they have to some guy you don't know named like like Frank, uh, like Cumberbuns or something like that. And it's the same kind of like thing, you know. What the fuck? I don't know. It's his guy's name. I just thought about it. Thought his name. Thought he, you never met Frank old Cumberbuns. And he's actually the one that squeezed the trigger. And you don't hear about him because he didn't, you know. And his arc, he didn't become president. He just went on to invent the cummerbund. How do you feel about... <laughs> Skylar, what do you think? Uh, I had a thought. Now I forgot about it because I was thinking about Frank Cumberbunds. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think eventually the coincidences kind of get a little too stacked up to be like, oh, that can't be nothing. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe old Herbert Walker... Bush wasn't the one that squeezed the trigger and popped the watermelon there in Dallas. But, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, that I think I think the amount and, you know, the other the amount that his time in the CIA, especially as being the director of the CIA, is kind of glossed over, I feel like. I mean, it could be just that his time as a CIA director was un, you know, unnoteworthy. But it just seems like, you know, it yeah. seems like it's it's. I don't know. It might be something that you think about that comes to your, you know, when you think about George H.W. Bush, you know, president, he's also the CIA director, but I feel like that's not, not a, uh, I don't know, common knowledge thing. And why yeah. is that? I think the thing that really got me is the Morin Shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that now, and we'll, the more I read into the Kennedy assassination, the more I do research, but I'll have a clear picture. But like, I, I think. Oswald pulled the trigger. But I think it's weird that the guy that assassinated the fucking president is also, you know, friends with the CIA asset who also knows the head chief of the Dallas local, you know? He's probably definitely up there in the book depository, but then, you know, who was down there on the Degrassi Knoll. And, you know, I I said something about my my theory about Bush where he was on, on that day. I think he was the babushka lady. The what? I don't know who the babushka lady is. So in the Zapruder film, there's a lady in a babushka. That the, it's like she's one of like the one the few people they can't identify in the Zapruder film. And it was George H. W. Bush. She was up there in the babushka. I'm gonna throw a little wrench in this for a second. <laughs> I just got a picture of Bush in a babushka. <laughs> 
he picked it up uh, when he was working for his dress company. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it took yeah, a minute to I was waiting. I was like, I thought that was, I thought that was um, pretty funny myself, but never mind. No, no, it is. Plus Bush, Babushka. Um, I mean, come on. The Illuminati yeah. are telling us something. Steve, so we covered a guy named Bill Cooper a few mm-hmm. episodes ago. Yep. One of the things was he had a part of the Zapruder film where he thought you could see the driver turn around and shoot the president. Oh, yeah. Really? Yep. And it's weird. It's it's the whole tie-in is still like worthy because... You know, if it's the lead car, the motorcade, and there is a, you know, supposedly the car slowed down kind of unexpectedly before the shots took place. I think when the, I think when the, yeah, you I think know, when it was when the Babushka lady flashed the motorcade. It was just. Oh, look at these watermelons. Oh, God, it's George Bush. It's George H.W. in a sundress and Babushka. <laughs> before we go, Steve, I've got one question for you. One mm-hmm. other one. How do you feel this, like, assassination of Kennedy? Mm-hmm. Do you see how there may be possible CIA involvement? Oh, I've thought that for okay. a long time. Yeah. No, I, there are too many, too many coincidences, too many connecting lines to be drawn for it just to be a single disgruntled Oswald. Yeah. Uh, too much going on. Yeah, CIA had enough motive. They hated Kennedy enough after they he kind of fucked him over in Bay of Pigs mm-hmm. and and they kind of fucked him back over and then he's like, I'm going to splinter him to the wind or something like that. You know, both of you may know that Oswald was actually involved with an assassination attempt earlier in April of yeah. that year. I yeah, do kind of remember something about that. I don't, I don't remember details, but for some reason that sounds... So one of the things is Oswald, oh, it was a racist army, former army general who was running to be a senator, Yeah, maybe. And Oswald got pissed and took a shot at him. And then later that month, like maybe a few days after, Morinshield went over to Oswald's house and they found uh, a rifle. The same rifle that supposedly shot Kennedy. At Morinshield? It was in the closet. Morinshield oh. found the rifle. Morinshield's okay. wife. Because um, they hadn't been over to their new apartment. And Morinshield's wife, or Oswald's wife, showed Morinshield's wife around the house. And Morinshield's wife seen the gun and she went in when they went in to talk. And she's like, Yeah, Oswald's got the, the so and so gun. <laughs> the so and so. Morinshield's like, Oh. You didn't take a, or you ain't the one that took a pop shot at a, what's his name? Army general, are you? He was joking. And Oswald looked at him and smiled and said, maybe. <laughs> it wasn't like maybe, but it was like, <laughs> I don't know. No. That's, uh, that's, that's good enough for me. Oswald. So, I don't know. It's, oh, the whole, situ- the whole thing's weird. I, am dreading doing any more research on Kennedy. Seeing how far down the rabbit hole I had to go to get this shit. And I don't think I can handle the Warren Commission anymore. (laughs) I've read through, like, fucking the reports. I've read through all the memos. Like, everything. Fuck Fuck those guys. 
testimony mm. for another day. So, but yeah. So hopefully you guys out there in Ballsackville enjoyed this episode. It is late at night, so I'm I apologize if I sort of had a hard time speaking and I was tongue tied. So, but. Hope you liked it. Next week, where we'll talk about the Filipino ass wang. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the wiener and the butt Ooh. in Philippines, either. I think it's pronounced uh, so ass wang. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. So we're moving on to uh, Filipino holes? Uh, something like that. That's what you're saying? We've, we've moved on from the, the yeah, Vietnamese already. Yeah, that was yeah, just yeah. this week. We had to pull out of Vietnam, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I got in trouble because I didn't pull out oh. in Vietnam. God damn it. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. There's, I'm a, there's, a, there's a tiny, hairy little <laughs> Vietnamese boy running Going, around. Oh, 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 <laughs> Sounds just oh, like TJ. Scary. They don't know what the fuck to do with him <laughs> over there. They call him JoJo, and they throw him in a cage at night. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps going, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll be covering the ass wing yeah. next week. So, tune in, guys. And also, like I said, check out our website, thelunchpoboys.com. Email us at lunchpoboys. At gmail.com. There's, you know, the social media places. Just look for if you might be there. TikTok. Well, TikTok and less numbers now, but so. The Chinese mm. got to us. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hungry mm-hmm. now. Hopefully, guys enjoyed it. So just check us out. Reach out to us if you want us to cover something. If you want some stickers. Send us an email, Facebook message, we'll Instagram. You send you all of it. Yeah. Um. Please eat my butt. You're supposed to say something besides make a weird. <laughs> no, nobody. I'm 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 off script. I got nothing. Oh well, you can at least when in times of doubt say eat my butt. Eat my crumbs. Mm. Bye, Fred. You got to say it like DT, too. Ain't it! Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.